Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, have you been enjoying watching the Olympics? I have been enjoying it very much. I was watching alpine skiing, ladies alpine skiing, and I was thinking, what if we were having to do a podcast on alpine skiing? We would not be the ones to be doing that. Well, we wouldn't be the right ones, but all (laughs) I could say is, okay, the lady in the white suit came out of the gate, went real fast and zigzagged back and forth, and when she crossed the line, she held her hands up. They're probably not going to ask you for, like, color commentary, you know, for the sports networks for... I tell them the same thing I tell them in Alabama right now. It's cold. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it's cold enough that we could have real snow when they're making fake snow over there in Beijing. Yeah, they put it in a country where you're supposed to have snow, and then they wind up having to make fake snow. That's yeah. not that easy to say. Yeah, it really isn't. Okay, well, we want to welcome you to the podcast. Please forgive our little divergence there, but just having a little bit of fun. And this is episode number 158, and it is February the 9th of 2022, and we are glad that you are with us today, and we're going to cover a topic that some of you have been waiting on, some of you have really looked forward to, and it's really a whole lot more fun than some of the other stuff that we do, but the other stuff is very, very important, as well as this. And you want to tell them what we're doing tonight? Well, we're going to talk about a get-home bag. Uh, Some call it a bug-out bag. Others call it a car bag, personal prep bag. It's that containing, carrying, whatever you want to call it. We use backpacks to put in some sustainable goods if you needed to get home from a distance or if you needed to leave your home and be away for a distance Mm -hmm. of time. Now, it's called by some a bug-out bag, but as we discussed on an episode many, many moons ago, there's really a big difference between them. A get-home bag is something that has the materials to get you home on foot if you had to Mm -hmm. from wherever you normally work or go to school or live some distance from parents or children and you had to be able to go to them. And... The bug out bag is what you grab when you run out the door when you have to leave and you got two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. So you could have that. Police could knock on your door and say there's a fuel spill down here and you've got two minutes to get out of the house. Oh, my. And by the way, go north, you know. Yeah. Remember, go opposite the direction from the uh, emergency. Opposite the direction of the emergency. We're going to talk about the get home bag tonight. And like everything else in prepping, it's a personal choice. Now, we're going to tell you some things that we suggest. We're going to tell you some things that we do, but we're not going to tell you what you have to do. Your bag will look different from my bag. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is you have different needs and you are in different situations and you have different skills. And so you may be in a better situation with better skills and may be able to carry less stuff than I need to. Yeah. Because what is that we say? The more you know, the less you have to carry. carry. (laughs) 
Right. There's some considerations, too. You've got to start thinking about how long, how many days, you know, break it down into 24-hour segments. How many 24-hour segments do you think you can estimate that you would need to depend on this bag for whatever you're putting in there? Uh, Non-perishable food items, extra clothing, shoes, something to sleep under, a tarp, a paracord would Mm -hmm. be about the simplest. You've got to evaluate what your, let's say, three-day or more uh, needs might be. You know, you don't really think about the distance it takes to walk. But one thing I did on my phone, I was looking at the map. I was looking at a map to be able to drive to a client's house. But I can choose on my map if I walk it or take a bike. Mm -hmm. And for fun one day, I did a distance search on my map between my house and a client's house and it would have been a 15 minute drive but it was literally an all-day walk you Mm -hmm. know because of walking and so we have to think about if you had to walk home from your work or if you had to walk home from your relative's home how many hours days would that take about two days if they live next door Two days? Are we talking about the Rocky Mountains here? Talking about for me. uh, (laughs) I work 26 miles from home to my office, and Uh if I happen to be there and had to get home, I'm not likely, just to be honest, in the shape that I'm in and what I would be wearing working, even though I do have some other things in the car. But I would be looking at more than a one-day walk. Yeah, you're looking at probably having to, you know, camp out in the woods for the night and then resume in the morning. Depending on what time of the day I had to strike out, it might be one day, It might, I mean one night, and it might be two nights. Mm-hmm. But we want to plan for the distance that we have to cover. And another consideration in this is to obtain the highest quality that you can afford. The highest quality of your preps and items. Right. What okay. goes into your bag. Why is that, And Mark? because cheap stuff breaks. Cheap stuff breaks. And if you're in an emergency and a lot of stress and tension, this is not the time for your cheap preps to be breaking. Right. Now, if all you can afford is the cheap one, then... Go ahead, something's better than nothing. Like my northern friends say, honey, take a chance. Take a chance. (laughs) Take a chance. And then save up and replace these items as you go and use the cheaper ones as kind of a backup. Mm -hmm. When you build bags, you need to have one for each person or at least one for each vehicle. Yes. Now, we have them that we carry one in each vehicle, but when we are traveling and we're together... We have both of our bags in that vehicle so that if we were to have to go on foot and, you know, we've got a 440-mile trip, so we just have to start figuring out which way is closest to us. And, you know, that could take us two months to get home if we had to do something like that from Mm -hmm. halfway. Mm. Lord, help us never to have to do that. Right. Now, on these bags, you can swap them between vehicles. If you only have one bag to start out, then keep it in your car. And if the family goes in another car, put it over into that car. But you must have this bag with you or it serves you no purpose. Exactly. It serves you absolutely no purpose if it is not with you when you need it. 
This episode sponsored by Jim Curtis Knives. Mm-hmm. And I had a great surprise when we came in the other day. There was a box on the table, and it said Jim Curtis Knives is the return address. And I said, Happy Early Valentine's Day. And she has purchased a beautiful, beautiful knife. And where Jim says my first one is more of a church knife, mm-hmm. it's all pretty and you know it's a little fancier and this one's gonna be a little more rugged it's a little big a little larger blade this will probably become my everyday carry which while i say that and and i will post some uh, pictures on the website and on the facebook page tomorrow i've had someone asking me about being able to see my jim curtis knife so now i have two i can show Mm mm-hmm But let me correct something that I said the other day when I was talking about what I carry EDC, and I mentioned carrying a pocket knife and carrying a folding knife, and I was really talking about, and I had in mind at that point, when I'm in uniform, I don't usually carry my Jim Curtis knife or haven't while I'm in uniform. It's just not a really convenient way to do that on my gun belt. Well, if you saw his gun belt, you'd probably have more of an understanding i mean he is he is tactical to the extreme uh they have to be they have to carry all sorts of things front back and side yeah it's my bat belt you know my batman belt it's, <laughs> it's the utility belt it's and got it's, everything it, on it there. really is a utility belt but i wanted to correct that when i'm off duty and i'm in street clothes i'm wearing my jim curtis knife and now it'll be a choice between one or the other mm-hmm. of my jim curtis knife to be able to uh, have that with me but i wanted to correct that because i've talked so much about the the knife and i did not mention that and it was because i was picturing myself in uniform and the things that I carry in that particular situation. Well, back to the Jim Curtis knives. For those of you that are just tuning in for the very first time, and maybe you've not seen or heard of us speaking about Jim Curtis knives, Jim Curtis is a personal friend, someone that Mark has known for many, many years, and his retirement hobby has become quite special and that is jim curtis's make these knives he handcrafts each knife each blade each handle and they're quite unique and you can order them directly from him we'll have information on our web page on how you can view a lot of what jim posts on his mm-hmm. facebook page and i'm telling you these are extremely affordable for the quality that he makes these are a, an exceptional value there's just really nothing like it, and there's there's a wonderful story, you know, that goes with all of the uh, branding and the certain types of diagrams and the way that he makes these knives. Each knife kind of tells a story in a way, tells the story of Jim Curtis. He is extremely high quality with a very affordable price range. And they come with a lifetime guarantee. Yeah, and a lifetime sharpening service as well. And they also come with two Band-Aids. Two Band-Aids. And yes, I used my two out of the first one, and I anticipate I will eventually use my first, uh, my two out of this one. Oh, of that I have no doubt. Okay, let's get back to our episode. We're going to come up with a list of contents, and these are our suggestions. Some of these things will tell you, you really need to have this in there, but other things are of your choice. You're going to need something to carry your contents. Now, Krista mentioned a backpack a while ago, and that's probably what most people do. 
but you can also use a backpack-style computer bag, and I think that's actually what you have. Yours was a computer bag at one point in time, where mine was actually a hunting pack. And I guess we liked backpacks simply for the comfort of being able to wear them while you walk, keeping your hands kind of free, so you don't have to use a hand you know, to grip a handle or something. Right, and if you're going in and out of the house or something with it, you can actually throw it over one shoulder and make a sling bag out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I carry another one with my computer, so I'm going when I'm going into my office in the mornings, I carry it like a sling bag. Yeah, sure. So, mm-hmm. But my get-home bag stays in the car. Now, you can also use a messenger bag. Mm-hmm. Or like a briefcase or, you know, really whatever bag that you feel comfortable carrying. I mean, even if it's a small suitcase, you know, the, the important part is to create a get-home bag, mm-hmm. a bug-out bag, a, a personal vehicle bag. And we're going to tell a story here right now. We were in a thrift store some while back, and, you know, it's one of those things where we didn't know we were looking for it till we saw what we wanted. And we saw, well, actually, you saw it. I didn't even see it. It's a Swiss Army backpack. It's the actual... Uh, Swiss Army logo brand backpack. Now, this is a very well-made backpack, but remember, it's in a thrift store. So we're talking about a probably like a $189 retail bag, and they had a price of, what was it? $39.95. $39. And we talked about it for a minute. He said, do you think this bag is worth it? And I said, it's worth actually more than they're asking for it. And I think that's a pretty good deal because this is a bag that will last us for the rest of our lives. For sure. When it, I'm sure it can get passed down. It's, it's, it's fine. a strong, sturdy bag. It's well-made. It, it's got very tough zippers and straps. It's well-sewn. You know, it's not going to fall apart if it gets slung around. So, and you don't have to buy an expensive bag. And no. you mentioned the thrift stores. You can find some great deals in there for, you know, lightly used equipment. Absolutely. And so it's a great place to go prepper shopping. And you can find them in sporting goods stores or box stores or thrift stores, or you can order them online. I'll tell you something else you can do. A lot of people don't know this, but I learned this when I was a teacher. You can launder a backpack. Hmm. And a lot of people that are finding backpacks, maybe in a thrift store, or maybe they have been given one from a family member, and maybe it's scuffed up and has mud or dirt on it, you can actually wash it in a washing machine. And if it's a really big backpack, you may have to go to a commercial washing machine, like at a laundromat. But you can launder these things, maybe even use some of that sanitizing wash, because I know we're very term conscious right now, more so than usual. And uh, so don't don't fear at all. Uh, laundering a backpack, it can be done. Now, it does need to be sturdy, and it needs to be roomy enough to hold whatever you plan to carry, and it needs to be comfortable to be able to carry it in case you have to wear it to come home. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about some of the contents, and what we're doing here is we're kind of picking some of the categories that we had on yesterday's podcast, and we're going through and applying those categories to our get-home bag. Yes, and what do you suppose I'm going to say is the first and most important thing you need to have in there? Spaghetti? No. Water. Water. Some way to drink water, either water bottles or a Life Straw or a Sawyer Mini or all of those things. You need to get you a 20-ounce water bottle. Keep a bottle of water in it. 
and we've been stuck on the highway where we've reached back in there and we've gotten that bottle of water. Mm-hmm. But also, we both carry single wall stainless steel water bottles, the large mouth. And there's a couple of reasons we can carry water in it. We can use it to heat water if we had to. That's why we're using single wall. The exactly. Du- the double wall insulated Mm-mm. tumblers and stainless steel is not going to work for that purpose. It will blow up on you. Is yeah, what it'll do. you don't want to use that. One of the things you might want to be heating water for, one might be for purification, but we carry some instant soup mixes in the packets. Mm-hmm in our bags and so it's a dry soup mix it weighs nearly nothing and we could heat up water and pour those in there absolutely a little nutrition if you need it have some nutrition you mentioned the sawyer mini you do need a personal water filter and one of the reasons that we say you need to carry that bottle of water is that the Sawyer Mini will screw onto a regular water bottle. So there you go. You've got what you need. You can just fill it up with dirty water, screw it on, and drink it straight through the the filter. You can. And those mini Sawyers will last up to 100,000 gallons of purification. And they will also filter to 0.1 micron where the life straw will filter to Point two microns. Now the life straw's better than nothing. It'll- well, now the life straw's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. knocking that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't filter quite as much, but they both say that they filter 99.9999 percent of all contaminants in the water. So I'm fine with using either one, and we have both. Mm-hmm. And the weight and the price is about the same. And so it's really a personal choice and comes down to kind of what price you get them at. And I'm kind of partial to the Sawyer because that's the first one that our son-in-law turned us on to. And we just kind of fell in love with those. And that's what we've stuck with until you got some tremendous buys on some life straws and said, hey, Mm -hmm. we can't pass these by. Every once in a while, Amazon will run some life straws on a special. So go to our webpage and do some Amazon shopping. Go to our webpage first, hit our Amazon banner, and then go to your Amazon account and do some shopping for yourself. We get a small commission, and we thank you very much for that. And it costs you no extra, and it helps to support the podcast. Next thing we're going to do, and I mentioned heating that water, is we're going to talk about fire, and we need some way to start fire. Or several ways. Well, some way for sure. Mm -hmm. We need to get a fire going, and we need to get it going as quick as we can. Now, what's our first choice? Well, you can have a butane lighter. That's my first choice is a butane lighter because it's easy. And we do prefer, this is our preference, but we prefer the name brand. We have purchased the dollar store brand, and they may light and they may not light, but the name brand is a lot more reliable. Mm-hmm. The Scripto, the Zippo, the Bic, those are the ones that are actually built a little better, and they do last a lot longer. So I think, you know, pound for pound, dollar for dollar. The name brand is actually a better purchase. In this case, I will absolutely agree with that. Now, to back up our two or three butane lighters that are in our bags, 
we have a box or two of matches in there. And we also like to use the waterproof and the windproof mm-hmm. matches, too. We don't know what kind of weather conditions or outdoor conditions we may find ourselves in. So we actually have a box of each of regular matches and the waterproof and windproof matches, and we put those in a Ziploc bag to keep them dry. Mm-hmm. Then our third option is a ferro ride fire starter. Quite honestly, that's our third choice. We do practice with it from time to time. We can use it if we have to, but it is our third choice, and we'll go for the easy every time, especially under that type of a stressful situation. Now, we also need to have some sort of tinder to get that Mm -hmm. fire going. You've got to be very aware, too, of starting a fire where you are. If you're in the middle of a dry forest, you've got to create some kind of a break to keep that fire from spreading. You're going to have to scratch out a pretty good area, and you're going to have to put your fire in the middle of it and keep it very small. But yes, you're going to have to be very careful with that. But your tinder, now you can scrounge around and find different things to use for tinder. If it's dry, you can use an old bird's nest. Mm -hmm. Those are very good. But they do make some commercial tinder. Uh, One is a wet fire, and there are other names Uh, other brands, and uh, these tend to light and burn when it is wet. And in our bags, we carry some commercial tinder. We also carry a large medicine bottle. It's the one that's about four and a half, five inches long. That's about an inch and three quarters across. It's the large medicine bottle. And we have cut fatwood sticks to the length of that and have stuffed that with fatwood. Yes, indeed. We could use the dry fire or wet fire tender, dry fire, that, that's pistol talk. We could use the wet fire tender and then we could begin to build it up using the, the fatwood and then we can start adding smaller sticks and go larger from there. Now, another thing that you can do is use a magnesium bar and scrape off a about a quarter teaspoon of that and that will take a spark very easily and burn very very hot and one thing i've always wanted to do is to get into the garage and take a large file and grind that down make me a medicine bottle full of magnesium shavings and if i need it just shake it out is there any concern with just storing the shavings together no okay it's just it once they come in contact with actual flame with a spark okay and something else you can do is you can take some old paper towel or or bathroom tissue the cardboard roll you know at the bottom of it and you can stuff those with either cotton balls or dryer lint I, i i'm telling you i have actually saved dryer lint i can pull it off like in a big sheet and i've stuffed it into a plastic bag and then when i want to make a paper towel core tender i just stuff that dryer lint in there and then i can also rim the inside with a little bit of petroleum jelly because that helps to kind of get things ignited and that'll keep forever you know if you keep it Mm -hmm. from drying out and you can use cotton balls and we've done this and use cotton balls permeated with petroleum jelly And we will say our first attempt ever at that 
We really didn't have enough petroleum jelly in there. Yeah, we thought it would take a very small amount, but we found for that use, you did have to be a little bit more gushy with it. You just need to really permeate those things with it, and that'll catch a spark pretty well, and it'll burn very, very well. And these are lightweight items, and you can mm-hmm. cut them up into cores and rings and, and throw them into a plastic bag or some sort of a maybe a Tupperware or Rubbermaid type of a small I like something. the Ziploc bags better because I can stuff them into corners inside my bag. Yeah, they can kind of, you know, adjust their shape. Right. You can be a U-shape today and a V tomorrow, you know, whatever. <laughs> something like that. All right, let's talk a little bit about knives. Well, you know, we were talking about our Jim Curtis knives, but we're talking about knives in general. You want a quality knife with you. Yeah, something, a fixed blade, we're going to suggest that maybe a four inches or more blade size would be great for chopping. Batoning, and that is splitting firewood. Now, in both of these cases, with chopping and with batoning, we're not going to be talking about being able to chop down a tree with a four inch knife. No. But we can chop limbs a little bit better than we can with a pocket knife. Right, right. And batoning, think about the old west when they stood up a log and they hit it with a maul and they split it. Yeah. And this is splitting the wood. I see. Okay. You might need to do that to get some dry wood or to be able to make it smaller in the earlier portion, the earlier life of your fire. You could use a folding knife if you don't have a fixed blade. But a fixed blade is usually larger and usually more sturdy. We carry a couple of different kinds of fixed blade knives in ours. I carry a K-Bar Marine-issued knife that went through Vietnam in the early 70s. Mm. And it went with a friend of mine that I used to work with. And so I have his knife. And Jim Curtis makes some beautiful knives that are fantastic for woodcraft. Yes, don't be afraid to use your Jim Curtis knife. No, don't. They're they're built for work. But, I mean, if you want a 7-inch knife, call Jim. He can make you a 7-inch knife. I just don't want to put that in my bag when I don't have really a whole lot of other uses for it. A 4-inch works great for me, a a 3-and-a-half, and I'm okay up to 5 with some things. But if you wanted to carry a seven inch Bowie knife, that that's fine. That'd Absolutely, be a great knife in the woods. You know what? Something else that a lot of folks carry are these multi tools. Mm-hmm. Leatherman makes one. Gerber makes one. It's one of those tools that opens out, and then there's ten or fifteen or twenty implements, screwdrivers, and files, and pliers, and knife blades, and and the obligatory can opener. And a can opener. So a multi tool can be a very handy piece. I actually do carry a multi tool with me uh, on my work. Not that I've ever had to use it but every once in a while i may have to tighten a screw or use a plier or something to to adjust a a window treatment which is the business Mm -hmm. i'm in and that multi-tool has been very helpful for that something i carry in my bag and this is just again personal preference i carry a five inch adjustable wrench and I carry a five-inch set of water pump pliers. What's a water pump plier? It's the long pliers with a long handle with the duck-looking. Oh yeah, looks like adjustable. a duck beak. Yeah. And <laughs> the reason I carry five-inch is I've not been able to find four-inch. <laughs> My dad carried a four-inch of both of these in his pocket for many, many, many years. His were well-worn, and you can do a fair amount of stuff. I mean, you're not going to take an engine out of a car with a 4-inch, but 
you can do a lot of things and a lot of things that we get into just in our daily here and there tightening up something breaking the nut loose that's just something that i carry with me now let's talk about shelter right we've talked about a small tarp using a tarp draped over paracord can make a makeshift tent and it might be all you need you know for a cover for a night or two you could use a plastic sheet a plastic drop cloth we mentioned tarps because a lot of thrift stores and discount stores carry a large number of different sizes of tarp i mean anywhere from four by six up to you know 20 by 30 and we're talking in feet so you just you may want to determine what size tarp you think you would need and they're easy to fold up really nice and flat they don't take up a lot of room yeah i just don't take it out of the bag if i'm going to put it in my car bag or carry it in the car i just leave it in the wrapper that it comes in and you mentioned our discount store and we've been able to find those like four by six five by seven eight by ten I mean, they're the thinner blue colored tarp. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's going to take a lot of abuse or last for a long time out in the weather. If it gets shredded, we'll just get us another one. That's fine. Mm -hmm. We use uh, use one as a ground cover under our tent, and you can actually throw another over the tent if you want an additional rain fly. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. So, but you really, if you've got an eight by 10, you can make a shelter, a lean-to shelter that is eight feet, and by the time you angulate it, I, I don't know, it's going to be about six feet by ten feet long. I could put up a piece of paracord and stretch that thing over it at about two feet off the ground, two and a half feet off the ground, and then I have made a five-foot wide by ten-foot long A-frame shelter mm-hmm. that I could get under it. They're lightweight. They're inexpensive. Now, you can spend a lot of money on a tarp, but you really don't need it for what we're talking about. Speaking of tarps, we also keep some larger ones here at the house in the garage in case we were to have roof damage during a storm and we had to put up a tarp now. Absolutely. So we have those, and those tarps, I mean, fairly large, didn't cost us about $20 a piece. So. Yeah, so not so bad. And these are the blue, less expensive tarps. And as she said, you can carry plastic drop cloths, and you don't have to get the expensive one. Go to the box store, go to the home improvement section, and get you a... I think those come in a lot of times 20 by 30 or something like that. You find those a lot in the paint department. Paint department, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I was saying home improvement, mm-hmm. but paint department. Yeah, to be more specific. You can also throw a couple of emergency blankets in there. Yeah, you know those Mylar blankets? Mm-hmm. They're designed, they look like a very lightweight aluminum foil, really. But they do work very well at reflecting your own body heat back onto you. Mm-hmm. And that's good. I mean, summer or winter, you can get chilled at night, you know, or during the day, and that extra emergency blanket it you can fold them up to a six inch square and then unfold it and wrap up in it you can actually probably save your life keep you, you from you freezing could, to death you could and we've used them on the side of the road in the colder weather with someone who was injured and possibly going into shock wrap them up in one of those mm-hmm. and and it does a very, very good job. Now, you can also put a wool blanket in there. Now, I'm curious about a wool blanket. Because a wool blanket is usually a pretty good size fabric. It, it's going to take a smaller, thinner one. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, you're not talking about a king size here. I got gotcha. you. We're, we're okay. talking about one of these wraps that you use on the couch. 
a little bit bigger than that. You know, it could be that somebody could roll it up. And some of these backpacks actually have like a roll straps, like you would carry a sleeping bag or an extra blanket. You might be able to craft some sort of straps to put it on the outside of your pack because mm-hmm. it, I think it still could take up a lot of room even if you it can, is thin. You can tie it across the top or you can tie it under the bottom. Mm-hmm, sure. But a wool blanket heats even when it's wet. It will help keep you warm. Now, how are we going to hold our tarp up? We need some paracord. We're going to need some cordage. And you do want to be carrying some. And paracord is the most common uh, in the prepper community. And if you get 550 paracord, that's a tensile strength of 550 pounds. Now, some that you buy at the box stores is going to be 325, which is fine for prepping. I mean, you can tie that between two trees and that'll hold up a tarp very, very well. Mm -hmm, Make your own little tent. You can lash with it. You can do all kinds of things. But I also carry a roll of twine. It's a lot smaller than the paracord, but I may need something, and I carry it that it would be a very heavy fishing line if I had to use it for that. But it it could be handy, and it can also be something that you can throw over a limb easier by tying a rock or stick to the end of it than you can paracord. That's true, because it is lighter weight. It's lighter weight. You can throw it over, and you tie your paracord to it and pull it back. So you've got it over the limb, and you've seen us do that with antennas with ham radio. Mm -hmm. We'll throw it over a limb and pull up a J-Pole. Another kind of cordage, you can actually go to any department store that has household goods and you can buy a clothesline there are certain cords that are made for clothesline and they make a great cordage it may be a little heavier than paracord but it's better than nothing if you need something a little stronger it's not going to be stronger paracord is going to be the strongest but the clothesline, it's pretty stout stuff. It's pretty dense. I yeah. guess I was, I was wrong when I said stronger, but it's a little bit more bulky. But um, Some of them. But Some you, can, really you, can, you can buy them in 50 and 100 foot rolls, mm-hmm. too. And for less money than you're going to buy a 50 or 100 foot roll of paracord. Mm-hmm. So shop around. So if you're on a budget mm-hmm. with it, go with the clothesline. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We just want to have some cordage with us. We need, we may need to tie that tarp off at the corners. We just may need to do a bunch of different things, and that's where the paracord comes in handy or the rope. And don't be afraid to cut it off in the lengths that you need. Mm-hmm. The stuff's kind of cheap when it comes to replacing it after you've had to use it. Now, if we're going to be in the woods overnight, we're going to need to be able to see. We do need some lighting because you've got this rule, and it's a good rule. Don't put your foot where your eyes haven't been first. And that's especially true in the dark of night. You're not just going to be walking around willy-nilly in the darkness because you need to know, first of all, are you about to step off a thousand-foot cliff? Mm-hmm. In the darkness, in the pure darkness, you may not ever know. There are moonless nights where you don't know. And so you've got to have some lighting. You've got to light your way. Actually, my rule is never put any part of your body where your eyes have not already been. Oh, I guess that applies to feet and head, too. I mean, hands and and, head. And just think about it. If you're reaching under a log, I want to look under that log very, very well before I stick my hand under it. I want to look on the other side of that log. I want to look all over it. Yes. And so you see where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. You're going to need some type of a quality flashlight. Now, that doesn't have to be expensive, but it needs to be a quality flashlight. And LED is going to give you the most bang for the buck as far as light for what you get out of it. Mm -hmm. 
and it's going to be the easiest on your batteries. And you may want to shop it by way of lumens. If lumens kind of, you know, rips your cord, the higher number of lumens is the brighter quality mm-hmm. light. So lumens can range, you know, from 100 to 2,000, 3,000, 6,000. Well, you can get some down in the 5 lumen. Uh, my little pocket flashlight, I think it is 5, 100, and 300. Oh, wow. Okay. And so you can get adjustable. And if you're not searching for something, you don't need it at full power. No, that's true. You can turn that thing down to its lowest setting or the second setting, and you'll be able to walk and see what you need to do with it. But you could also use a headlamp. Mm -hmm. They're actually quite popular now. In fact, you gave me one. A headlamp is great if you're walking in the woods and you've got to keep an arm or like on someone else or something for guidance. That headlamp is going to work without you having to hold it. So that's very handy. They work very good walking out of the woods after dark, carrying a rifle and carrying your backpack. Mm -hmm. If you're working outside and you need your hands free, that headlamp is a good way to go. And again, you can get those that are adjustable. You can get those that are high lumen. You can get them low. You can just do whatever you want with them, and they're not that expensive. You can even buy ball caps that have the lights already inside. Yes, and we can buy clip-on lights to go on the ball cap as well. Let's not forget all the extra batteries. You do want to carry some extra batteries in your get-home bag or your EDC. Make sure that they are not loose where they can roll and touch each other. You want to store and carry batteries very safely. Well, you can stick them in a Ziploc bag. And one thing in my EDC bag, I have a shorter, fatter medication bottle that I have six batteries in. There you go. I carry a light that has AA batteries, and I carry a light that has AAA batteries. So I'm able to carry replacement for the both of those in my EDC bag. And I actually have some more in my get-home bag. If you're in this situation, you probably should have your EDC light with you to be able to use as well. So you'll have larger flashlight in your get-home bag, and then you'll have smaller one on your body. And that makes a good way to go. You've got a backup there. You've got a bigger one if you need it. And another thing is light sticks. And we talked about these in yesterday's podcast. And that's the chemical sticks that you break and they glow either yellow or orange. And I think I've seen some green as well. And there may be other colors. But those are good for low, softer light inside a tent or inside a shelter. And you can walk with them. Yeah, they don't shine way out, but you can see where you're putting your feet. Mm-hmm. And what's next on our list? Well, well, we'll just you know quickly go through some of these. Obviously, you need some sort of a small first aid kit, which should include band-aids, some sort of gauze, some over-the-counter medications like pain reliever and a histamine, a bandana perhaps to put on the eyes and the face and the nose, some sort of sunscreen for your exposed skin and some safe insect repellent and depending on where you are the seasons don't matter you can can still be bothered with bugs yes but if you're having to walk home through a swampy area or near a swampy area in july or in the middle of central (laughs) alabama uh, central florida after a hurricane they have mosquitoes the size of crows down there, I think. Yeah, well, the joke is that the mosquito is Florida State bird. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> well, I thought it was the seagull, but the seagulls <laughs> run from the mosquitoes, don't they? 
That's true. One other thing I would add to the -the over-the-counter medications that you mentioned, and that would be some Imodium. I want Imodium in every bag we have. Now explain what Imodium is. Imodium is an anti-diarrheal. And it works. And there's nothing like it. When you need it, you need it. Mm -hmm. So carry some, and I would say throw out the two is one, one is none, and I would say a half a dozen is is sufficient for one bag for one trip. Also, let's talk about food. We need some non-perishable food, and uh, very short, and by all means not limited to, but these have been very popular for get-home bags or bug-out bags, and that would be beef jerky or turkey jerky, mixed nuts, uh, power bars like Cliff or Kind, Nature Valley, dried fruit. You can actually purchase little Ziploc bags of dried apricots, dried peaches, dried cherries, dried cranberries. Wonderful little treat. Also, instant soup. You know, we talked about that a moment ago where if you knew you were going to be out two or three or four days, you might kind of tire of some of the mixed nuts and the beef jerky after a while. It might be nice to have a a hot mug of soup. So have some of those packets of instant soup ready. And we're not talking about carrying enough food in our bag to be able to be full for three days. No, you're just trying to stave off hunger. We want to beat that wolf back, Mm -hmm. keep our backbone and our belly bone a little bit further apart. Right, right. And so those are good things. And, And what we're doing here is we're carrying things, with the exception of the instant soup, that we don't have to heat up. We can eat it on the go. And it's nutritionally more valuable. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to be eating, you know, just potato chips and cotton candy because your body is going to be in stress. And even though you're you're not going to feel like, you know, a million dollars, you do need to nourish your body, but you need to put in valuable calories that are going to give you the proper energy and it's not going to blow your blood sugar out of the roof or cause you to have some sort of digestive upset. And another thing good, and we've talked about this, and we've carried them in ours, and that's Payday Candy Bar. It has that nougat for energy right now, and it Mm -hmm. has the peanuts that will give you energy a little bit later. So Mm -hmm. it kind of levels things out. But you do want to be careful with carrying anything that is going to be heat sensitive. If you leave it in the car, I mean, it's going to stay in there, and you're going to rotate your stuff out about once a year, every year and a half, something like that. Now, some of you really dedicated. You're going to change it out every three to six months. But most of us, it's going to sit in there for a year or so before we change it out. And we don't want anything that's going to be melting. And that's why you need to be careful with this trail mix that has chocolate in it. Yes, avoid anything that could melt in your hot, summery car. If it's got chocolate or if it's got little vanilla pieces or even gummy bear type stuff, it can become liquid goo and then liquid glue and it just, it junks it up and it's not pleasant. Another thing, and I've put on here reference material, now we didn't mention this on yesterday's episode, but prepper books are a good thing to have at home. So you can actually get small, like paperback. Right, information. And really the two that you probably want to carry with you in in your get-home bag is one on medical first aid. Mm -hmm. What do you do with this situation? And the second thing is a reference on edible plants. Mm -hmm. Or also plants to avoid. Plants to avoid. So those two might be something that you would want to have in your get-home bag. 
And yeah. something else we have in our bag is we have taken a roll. Each of us have a roll of toilet tissue, but we have removed the inner core. You literally can pull it out, mm-hmm. and then you can flatten that roll of toilet tissue, and then we loaded it into a Ziploc bag, and it's no bigger than a paperback book. But now we have TP if we want it. Yeah, that's our sanitation plan mm-hmm. for getting home. Exactly. Once you've got the TP, you can figure out what else to do <laughs> True. and where else to do. It's interesting, though, how much your mind would suffer if you think, oh, I don't have any TP, or even just a little handy pack of wet wipes, you know, that's also good to have. A lot of our moms that are listening, you've got infants, you've got wet wipes with you all the time. That can work if you don't have TP, but you just really can't flatten them. You need to buy a flat pack. Yeah, and most of us guys growing up spent some time in the woods, and uh, we didn't carry TP with us back then, and you just had to make do with what you could find. Bet just, you found out what was poison you, ivy. You, you learned early to <laughs> to identify poison ivy, Wowie. poison oak, and sumac. Yikes. So those are two, three things that you don't want to be wiping with. Nice. Anyway, Here's something else you don't want to wipe with, but you definitely want to have some around, and that's duct tape. Absolutely. Now tell them your pencil plan. This was pretty cool. Well, you can take a pencil. Just a number two pencil or a quarter inch wooden dowel, and you can start rolling that duct tape onto that pencil or that wooden dowel, and you can just roll it up till it's about an inch or so in diameter, and you can actually do it on each end of that pencil, and you've got a pretty good bit of duct tape on it. So what you're saying is, I don't have to carry the whole roll of duct tape. No. I might only need, say, 10 yards or five yards, or however much I want to take. So or a foot. you can just, you can, yeah, wind it around something small, like a pencil, anything that you can wind it on, and then just carry just a small amount of it. See, that's just brilliant right there. Actually, I stole the idea when I saw it wrapped around a butane lighter. Smart. You can wrap it around a butane lighter and do the same thing. Never. You, you just want something to. Keep it small and mm-hmm. keep it stuck together. You really don't want to be carrying that whole big roll of duct tape. No, that's just too much. But you definitely want some duct tape with you. Something else to keep in mind, too, would be to carry some change of clothes, especially extra socks, proper shoes if necessary, gloves and a hat, a poncho or a light rain jacket. You know, you're going to need to make this seasonally appropriate. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be carrying all of my winter gear in the middle of August. But I also don't want to be carrying my flip-flops and my tank top and stuff in the middle of January either. You can actually put some of this in your car to stay in your car at all times. Mm-hmm. And then if you were to have to leave your car to hoof it home, then you can take the things that you have. And like you said, you, you have change of clothes in there. You have winter clothes in there and you have summer clothes in there. If it's summertime, you take the summer clothes and go and you leave the winter clothes in the car. Right. And so there, there's some things you can do with that. Something, and, and I'll say, when you talked about poncho or a light rain jacket, also put some large trash bags in there, some mm-hmm. contractor size trash bags, because you can cut a hole in that thing, cut three holes in it, and you've made a little bit of a rain poncho. You sure can. One for your head and one mm-hmm. for each arm. Right. You, you can do that very well. And we did mention, and I, I said flip-flops, and I say that in jest, we don't want you to be trying to walk 25 miles in flip-flops. Give some thought to what kind of shoes it's going to take for you to be able to comfortably walk for a number of miles. 
and I'm I'm saying your most comfortable sneakers, uh, something that's very comfortable and long wearing. I even have a special pair. I have custom orthotics that were crafted just for me because I had a heel spur problem and a plantar fasciitis problem, and I don't have that problem anymore. And those are the shoes that would be going with me if I wasn't already wearing them mm-hmm. out and about. Because I think about what if I had to walk home? Those would be the shoes I'd need on my feet. And an older pair of walking boots, hiking boots. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Put those in the car. Get you one of these milk crates and put those kinds of things in the car. And then if you need them, you have it. Another thing that we carry in our bags is small ham radio. Now, we're both licensed ham radio operators, so we have a radio in each bag that is pre-programmed with the local repeaters here and with the southern arm of the family and with the northern arm of the family. Whatever cities we're around, we have those repeaters pre-programmed in it. And these are actually open radios. And by open, I mean they're not limited just to the ham bands. These particular ones, and one of those is a Beofang, and they will operate in the ham radio, the GMRS, or the FRS frequencies. Now, they're not type accepted for GMRS and FRS, so they're only legal in the ham radio band. But I'll tell you, if I'm having to hoof at home because I can't drive my car and I'm able to contact someone on FRS, then we'll just deal, if we ever have to, we'll deal with it later. But it's all about staying alive. Same thing with GMRS. We'll just use it if we need it. And so carrying some type of little radio with you if your ham radio operator is not a bad idea. And I've also heard carrying an AM-FM radio, which both of these radios actually will receive FM. And so you could get local news if it's still operational. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Final thing that we need to look at, and this is a personal preference thing, but security. Now, you can carry a weapon and you can carry extra ammo, but you're going to need to have the proper licensing for that you're going to need a concealed carry license and we want you to be legal with whatever it is and the other thing that i would say with that is do not leave a weapon in the car backpacks can be a very popular thing to be stolen so unless you have a place that you can put that in the vehicle secure it then you've really got to do some soul searching on that. That's where I say if you carry a handgun every day, then you've got one with you if you have to hoof it home. You can just carry some extra ammo in your bag. But we don't want to be leaving that bag where it can be stolen and a handgun get out onto the streets and somebody get hurt with it. Folks, the the topic tonight, it's been fun. We've, we've enjoyed it. It's mm-hmm. something we always enjoy talking about. We do. When Krista walked in earlier today and I said, we're going to do bug out bags tonight or get home bags. And she said, we've got plenty. We're going to build more. I said, no, no, we're going to record get home bags. He was talking about the podcast and yes. I was thinking he was talking about the actual bag. No, but it's fun building bags. And so, as we said earlier, it's a personal thing. You decide what goes in your bag. You decide what fits your needs and what you might need to have if you have to hoof it. 
And you will also find that you will use some of these things when you're off at other places. We've used the first aid kit a number of times with the grandkids. Oh, absolutely, yes. In fact, one of my very first emergency kits that you actually built for me several years ago, I was still teaching school at that time, and I opened up that little emergency kit time after time after time for me to be able to use it because it had pain reliever pills in there over the counter, and it had things like paper clips and, you know, a band-aid or just very small things but I found that I was going to that emergency kit time after time and it planted a little seed in my mind and I said you know if a little kit like this can be this useful imagine how useful a larger kit with more usable things in there food items clothing items first aid items lighting heat uh, shelter items just exactly what we've been talking about here Because there's a lot of folks that have found out that they can get stranded on a snowy highway or they can find out that they have to evacuate their workplace and they may be 15 miles away from their home. And you don't want to have to face these things. We hope that emergencies don't happen, but you know what? They do. They do. They do happen. Preparedness is what we are about, and that's why we're imparting this information to you. So you can do more than just think about it. You can go ahead and take some action and get your car bags ready and your everyday carry bags ready and uh, reach out to us with your comments and questions about a get-home bag or a bug-out bag. We'd love to field your questions and your comments as well, so reach out to us. And we certainly appreciate the compliments that some of you have sent and email and those go a long way toward making a better day for us you were talking about some of the folks in the snow what would somebody have been willing to give for one of our bags on i-95 in virginia not long ago oh much much money and much prayer and fortunately there were some good samaritans Mm -hmm. on that highway the bread truck guy and some people came along with cases of water and what happened was people did sort of reach out to each other because you found yourselves in the same boat Mm -hmm. and suddenly everybody was in the same emergency and it's nice to know it does restore your faith in human nature that strangers can reach out to one another in the midst of a crisis and say listen you know i can't do anything about the snow but i can do something about your hunger or your thirst or i'll give you three sheets of toilet tissue <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the idea with our bags is that we could be self-sufficient for 72 hours if we're put into that situation. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. All right. Send us your questions, comments, good or bad. Uh, we want to hear them, and we will see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Hopefully you've learned something, picked up a tip, or something we said may have triggered a thought that will help you in your prepping journey. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode and share it with your friends and family. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.